Welcome to the Axe 13 Network Podcast. My name is Dan Rose, and I am the lead troublemaker here at the Axe 13 Network. We're glad you have decided to spend a little bit of time with us. What can you expect from this podcast? Well, hopefully, you will walk away from it learning to love well. That's our heart, that's our hope, that's our desire. We want to try to help people love well by hearing the words of Jesus, learning the works of Jesus, and following in the way of Jesus. So let's get on to this week's episode. Well, we are continuing in our study of the book of Acts together, this story of us. We are, we are looking at our family story. This is, these are the stories that, you know, that first generation of Christians gathered together and said, hey, these are our stories. This is who we are. So just like in our, our families of origin, we tell stories that shape us, that kind of point to, to who we are as, as the roses or, you know, insert last name here, right? These stories in the book of Acts are our stories, and they give us this glimpse into that first generation, into that, that earliest time of following Jesus in the world, and, and what was happening, and what were they doing, and we've seen some good things, and we've seen some real ugly things, just like in any family, right? There are great stories, and there are the stories that you try to keep in the closet, like when, you know, that uncle comes around, whoever that uncle might be. Um, and so we've looked at some of the, the skeletons and some of the dark stuff. And this week, uh, we are turning our attention here to Acts chapter 9. Uh, beginning in verse 32, and we'll go through verse 43, so we'll finish the chapter. Uh, this, is, this is one of those just kind of interesting tidbits. It's a, it's a, you read it and you go, cool, that's neat. And as a pastor, when you read something in the scripture and you get done reading it, and you go, cool, that was neat. And you, then you try to figure out, how are you going to preach a sermon on this? <laughs> well, we'll see. We'll see. This, this might be a solid single or a foul ball. I'm not sure which. Uh, but we'll see how this goes. So, in Acts chapter 9, beginning in verse 32, it goes like this. As Peter traveled about the country, he went to visit the Lord's people who lived in Lydda. When, there he found a man named Aeneas who was paralyzed and had been bedridden for eight years. Aeneas, Peter said to him, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and roll up your mat. Immediately, Aeneas got up. All those who lived in Lydda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. In Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha. In Greek, her name is Dorcas. I would probably go by Tabitha as well. Just saying. She was always doing good and helping the poor. About that time, she became sick and died, and her body was washed and placed in an upstairs room. Lida was near Joppa, 
So when the disciples heard that Peter was in Lydda, they sent two men to him and urged him, Please come at once. Peter went with them, and when he arrived, he was taken upstairs to the room. All the widows stood around him crying and showing him the robes and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was still with them. Peter sent them all out of the room. Then he got down on his knees and prayed, turning toward the dead woman. He said, Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes, and seeing Peter, she sat up. He took her by the hand and helped her to her feet. Then he called for the believers, especially the widows, and presented her to them alive. This became known all over Joppa, and many people believed in the Lord. Peter stayed in Joppa for some time with a tanner named Simon. This is God's word. Cool story, bro. It, right? I mean, it's, it's cool. It's, it's, it's cool stuff. He heals, he heals a bedridden dude who can't get up, and he gets up, and a whole bunch of people come to Jesus. That's awesome. Right? And then he goes one step better. Peter shows up. A woman's died. Brings her back to life. It's good stuff. It's a great story. So all of you need to go out and find, you know, paralyzed people and dead people and start, and start doing your job. Short sermon. It's time. <laughs> so you sit here and you're studying this and you're reading this and, and, and as you study it, turns out that, you know, the Greek and everything, the Greek in the passage means that Peter showed up and healed a dude named Aeneas and rose a woman named Tabitha from the dead. Like, that's, it's just straightforward. It is, it is what it is. How does, how does this apply to our life? How do we, how do we read this and, and take some meaning from it? Right? The temptation for me all week has been just to move on. To just have like kind of included this bit and then go right on into Acts chapter 10. Because Acts chapter 10 is a turning point. Acts chapter 10 is just, it, it's, it's one of those moments in Scripture where you're like, whew, that's good stuff. That'll preach. What do you do with Acts chapter 9? 32 through 42. I just heard Debbie say, I just want to read chapter 10. That's right. Yeah. This is, I mean, because you read read these verses and you're just, that's cool. Nothing to do with me. Right? I mean, how many of us are going to go out and and heal a bedridden guy? How many of us are going to walk through a, you know, start walking through the hospital and and wait till somebody croaks and, and walk on in and be like, Come on, get up, let's go. We're, we're, just, we're just not going to do that. Right? Like, may, may, if one of you wants to try, I encourage you. Go for it. I'm not sure how far you'll get in the hospital uh, trying to do that. Um, but, but what struck me, okay, number one, just kind of the theological, we'll get the theological bit out of the way, Right? This sounds familiar, doesn't it? What Peter does here is, is very much, it's, it's a reflection of what Jesus had done, right? Jesus had done these things. Jesus healed a bedridden guy. Jesus um, 
Jesus healed someone who had died, brought them back to life. He did it a couple of times. Peter just does it once. Right, so you have, you have these things happening. Um, this, this firmly slots Peter into that kind of prophetic realm, right? We see Elijah doing things like this, Ezekiel doing things like this, Elisha, Elijah, all, all, these, all these famous dudes kind of do some of this kind of stuff, right? And so here's Peter. Now he's, he's kind of the guy. He, this, you have Luke kind of setting Peter up as, as kind of the first among equals. You don't see anybody else bringing people back from the dead, that kind of deal yet. Um, we, just, we just see Peter doing this. So, um, so, so that's, that's, that's kind of the point, was, was that Luke wanted to say, here's Peter. He's, he's kind of the leader of the band. He's, he's, the, he's the first among equals, and he's, he has the Holy Spirit, and he is doing, he's doing some amazing things, and God is using these amazing things to bring people to faith. That's, it's, it's, that's the theological point. All right, so in my pastor training, you know, you, you get the theological point, but then you continue to have to keep doing some work. And you have to have to ask yourself, how does that theological point, which is cool and neat, but doesn't really do much for us as we walk out of this building. So, so now what? Now what? Or just simply, so what? Well, I think for me, as, a, as I have spent some time just wrestling with this passage all week, this passage starts with, as Peter traveled about the country, he went to visit the Lord's people who lived in Lydda. Now, we can just read past that. But I think, I think maybe there's something there. He was doing something intentional. Peter, who was, could have been happy as can be to stay in Jerusalem. Right? We've read about all the different persecutions, but the apostles, the Jewish followers of Jesus in Jerusalem, they were exempt from, from the persecution. They were, they were safe. Everything seemed to actually be going kind of well in Jerusalem. People were coming to faith. The church was growing. Peter and John and James and those guys. I mean, everything was kind, of, was kind of on the up. So why would Peter do this? Why would Peter just, just take off like this? Why would he you know, begin to travel about the country? Because I think, I think Peter caught something from Jesus. I think Peter caught from Jesus that presence is absolutely fundamental to being one of Jesus' followers. Because presence is was kind of the, the fundamental thing about Jesus' ministry and about what Jesus did. Jesus just showed up I mean, have you, have you ever thought deeply about this? I mean, Jesus is God, right? We believe that Jesus is the sovereign and good God of the universe. God the Father is God. God the Holy Spirit is God. Got this whole Trinity thing going. 
Now, God, and when we say this, let's think about it from the Trinitarian perspective, right? God, in all of, his, in all of God's godness, could have stayed up in heaven and with a word said, you know, I want to go ahead and reconcile all of creation. I want to go ahead and set all things right. I, I want to just go ahead and I want to go ahead and fix everything. Could God have done that? God absolutely could have done that. How do we know God could have done that? Well, we know God could have done that because when God created the world, all God did was say a few things, and bang, it happened. Right? This might be one of my favorite bumper stickers. I believe in the Big Bang. God said it, and bang, it happened. I just, I, I like that bumper sticker. God could do that for anything that God wants to do. He can say it, and bang, it's going to happen. And yet, when it came to the redemption and reconciliation of all things, that is not what God did. That is not what God did. What did God do? God showed up. God came here. God was born in the, the normal way. He was born in the way that everybody, every other person was born. There was nothing really miraculous about His birth. It was gross and it was ugly and it was painful. It was, it was a birth like any other. He showed up. And then He grew up. Jesus grew. The Scriptures tell us that He he grew in stature and power. He grew. Jesus, as a human being, grew and developed. Right? He was a precocious teenager sitting at the temple debating with the elders. He was, you know, he was, he was just a normal, he was a normal guy. He did the normal things. He did the people things. He showed up. He ate. He drank. He partied, he taught, he healed, he died on a cross, and he rose again. Probably set him apart those last, that last little bit, right? But you see, all the way through, it's all about presence. It's all about presence. It's all about showing up. Even go back to the beginning of the story, right? Go all the way back to Genesis, Adam and Eve, right? They eat from the tree that, that God had said don't eat from. And, and what is the problem? What happens? What's the next part of the story? Where are you? I'm, I'm, I'm going, he, God's going for his walk. He's, God's, God's going for the walk in the cool of the day that he usually went on the walk with Adam and Eve. And he shows up and they're hiding. Where are you? Presence. Presence was broken. Jesus shows up. And now he shows up. It's about presence. We, call it, we have a fancy word for it. We call it the incarnation. Right? He didn't get into some hot cocoa mix. It was, you know, God in human form. God present. Right? His name, Emmanuel. God with us. And so Peter caught all of that. Of course he did, because he wandered around Palestine with Jesus for three years, seeing Jesus, 
show up. Jesus kept showing up. He kept being present. And Peter caught that. So now, here is Peter, the kind of de facto leader of, the, of, this, new, of this, this new community. And what does he do? He goes out and he starts visiting. He starts visiting. He goes and he shows up. He didn't have cell phones. He didn't have email. He didn't call and make appointments. He didn't prepare them. No, he was that guy that just walked into town and was like, hey, I'm here to visit. I understand that was something that people used to do back in the day. Right? A lot of Sundays, you'd spend visiting. You would go to grandma's house or grandpa's house or Aunt you know, Betsy's house or whoever. You'd go visit. You'd go to church and then you'd go visit. And then you'd go to bed. Right? We've lost all of that. Now somebody rings your doorbell. You sit there in a panicked state, you know, thinking, oh my gosh, what's outside my door? Nobody texted. Nobody said they were coming over. Is it a salesman? What, what's, what's going on? Right? And so you kind of debate. Do I answer it? Do I pretend I'm not home? Most of us pretend like we're not home. You know, and we just hope they go away. Right? But Peter, he, he goes to visit. And he shows up. And when he shows up, he meets, he meets this guy. He meets this guy Aeneas. He sees him. He meets him. And he's like, hey, I think we can fix this. He heals him. And then when, when this woman, when, when Tabitha dies, right? The disciples are like, oh, Peter's close. Let's see what he can do. They go. And what does Peter say? Because, I mean you kind of have to wonder what he was thinking, right? I mean, in verse 35, all those who lived in Lydda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. He was killing it. Ministry was going great, right? I mean, it was like he was, he was doing the things. People were coming to faith. The church was growing. This is awesome. And so some disciples show up and they go, uh, hey, Pete, this chick, Tabitha, she died. You, you, can you come do something? Now, if I'm in the midst of an amazing ministry swing where, you know, people are coming to faith left and right, I'm, it's a revival, it's huge, and somebody shows up and says, hey, Dan, so-and-so died. Can you come do something about that? I'd probably be like, I'm really sorry. I don't have time right now. All these people are coming to, are coming to Jesus. I got to stay here. And you know what? None of you would say, "Oh, Dan, what are you doing?" All of you would probably say that's a good decision. All of you would probably say, "Yeah, I probably chose better because there's really nothing you can do about this chick that killed over dead." Right? What does Peter do? Peter says, "Oh, okay." Let's go. He walks away. He walks away from amazing ministry. He walks away from success. He walks away from this, this revival to go do what? Did he really think he was going to be able to do something for her? He did. He really did. 
He really thought he was going to be able to heal her. He really thought he was going to be able to raise her from the dead. Why? Because Jesus did. And so what does he do? He showed up. They came and he and said, can you come help us? And he said, yep. And he showed up and he prayed and he said, get up. And she did. It is all about showing up. This story, as cool as it is, as neat as it is, as, you got the theological thing about Peter and doing the things that Jesus did. All, all stuff is great. But at the end of the day, I think this story is mostly about showing up. Just be there. Say yes. Be present. Stop hiding. Stop, stop being too busy. Stop being too tired. I don't know how this has happened. My kids went to college. I don't have them in my house anymore. And I am more tired now at, at times than I feel like I've ever been in my life. It's a choice, gang. It's a choice. Friday night. Friday night. First Friday nights. My buddy, who I call The Beard, he has a, he has a farm. And every, every first Friday night of every month, he's got an old silo pad, this huge, big concrete pad. He throws all of his farm waste on the, on the silo pad. And the first Friday of the month, he lights that thing up and invites men to come to, his, come, come to, the, come to the farm. He calls it pipe night. Some guys smoke a pipe, some guys don't. Some guys have a beverage, some guys don't. But what happens is you got a group of guys sitting around this gigantic bonfire having conversation and being present. And I got to tell you, every time I go, it is awesome. And it is, it's like one of my favorite nights. And I got to tell you, every first Friday of every single month, I am running through my head 15 excuses why I can't go. I'm too tired. It's been a long week. It's been a long month. I got this other thing. I got to get up early on Saturday. Blah, 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 blah. All excuses. And yet every time I show up, it is encouraging and I'm so thankful and it is life-giving. But to experience it, you got to say yes and you got to show up. I have to say yes and I have to show up. Right? This is ministry. Ministry is not coming up with cool programs. Ministry is not, you know, figuring out the next sermon. Ministry is, ministry is not, you know, advertising campaigns. Ministry is just simply showing up. It's being present. That's ministry. You show up to the person in the hospital. You show up to the person who can't leave their house. You show up. You just go be present. You want to reach your neighbors for Jesus? Start showing up. Start showing up. Just be there. When we started on staff with Campus Crusade for Christ, our, our, our team leader, Matt Kent, he said 90% of ministry is just showing up. 
I think he was wrong. I think it's 99% of ministry is just showing up. I think he undersold it. Just be there. When we show up, we begin to see things. We begin to hear things. You can begin to notice, oh, this is happening and that's happening. Oh, this and that and the other thing. Just show up. We have to be present. So, you know, we, we want our churches to grow. We want our communities to grow. We want our congregations to grow. How do we do it? Not with programs, not with advertising campaigns, not with social media. We do it by the people who show up on a Sunday morning or a Sunday evening. Those people then show up outside of that. They show up in their neighbors' lives. They show up in the people around them. They just show up, and you're just present. That's, that's it. And that's what we see Peter doing. Peter made a choice. He made a choice to leave comfortable Jerusalem because compared to what he was doing, Jerusalem was comfortable. He made a choice to go and and to show up in these other places. And when he did, he saw people who needed help and he was able to step in and help them. And as a result of helping them, people said, hey, I want to spend more time with you. I want to be with you. Let's, Let's hang out more. And they started coming to faith. That's, I think, I think at the end of the day, that's what the story is about. So my challenge for you this week is I want you to ask yourself, where are you being invited to show up? Where are you being invited to show up? And are you willing to say yes? And then the counter question to that is, Are there people who have asked you to show up and you've said no so many times that they've stopped asking? And if so, then I ask them to come and open your house, open your backyard, and say, hey, come on over. Come spend some time. Because showing up is 99% of ministry. Showing up is what it means to follow Jesus. The rest of the book of Acts, really, I think all of the book of Acts, you could probably argue what you see on every page is presence. What you see on every page are people who simply show up. So, show up. That's that's the walk away point. That's it. Just show up. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I pray that we would be a people who show up. I pray that we would be a people who say yes when we're invited. I pray that we would be a people who don't just go from our car into our garage and close the door and never engage with anybody else, but that we would be present in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, in our schools, wherever it is that we find ourselves, would you help us to be present so that that we might see the people who need help, so that we might see the people who need to be loved, 
so that we might see the people who need to be cared for. So that we, like Jesus, might be a people who practice incarnation. Amen.